Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, we are at the quarter pole of the season, basically, for the Wolves through 20 games. We'll talk about what has gone exactly as the Wolves plan, exactly as Tim Connolly and Chris Finch drew it up, and what I kind of expected would happen this season. We'll also talk about good surprises and, in general, things that haven't gone according to plan. We'll also peek at the Wolves-Grizzlies matchup for tonight's game. It's all upcoming. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. And use the code, all lowercase, NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. And happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves are back at it this evening in Memphis. The second of two games added after the Wolves were eliminated from the in-season tournament. So we'll preview that a little bit here at the end. We just saw Memphis a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but today I want to spend the vast majority of the show talking about what's gone as expected in a good way, also in a bad way, and um, and... I guess really more what's gone as expected in a good way. And then surprises, both good and bad today for the season to this point through 20 games. So we'll do all that here on the show. A big thank you here off the top, though, for making this show your first listen every day. Of course, you can find Lockdown Wolves wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube and you can um, watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, so as mentioned, we are through 20 games in the Timberwolves season, and um, like I don't think there's a person out there that thought the Wolves would be 16-4 and four with the league's best record, number one in the Western Conference for two weeks running now. I, I mean, if, if you're out there, tell me that that's what you predicted, and, and I guess receipts would be helpful, right? I said on this show and on the Locked On Sports Minnesota show that I thought the Wolves would be 13 and 7. I have it written down right here. 13 and 7 through 20 games, which I thought was pretty optimistic. I'd started at 12 and 8, and then I kind of went back through the schedule. I was like, I know, you know, I'll go 13 and 7. I'll I'll live optimistically. They're three games better than that, 20 games through the season, which is incredible. Um I, I mean, even in their last 10, if you look at their last 10, which is an exercise we did over at uh well on the lot on the uh the Minnesota Basketball Party. There's so many shows. I got to keep all the names straight. The Minnesota Basketball Party that we do every Wednesday, which that video is over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. The audio is right here on this feed every Wednesday. Typically, the audio is posted midday Wednesday. Uh, we had done like, hey, what about the next 10? And it was the morning of that Suns game that the Wolves ultimately lost. And I said, optimistically, the Wolves would go 7-3. and three. We didn't actually know who the, the last game would be because we didn't know, based on end season tournament, what game 10 was. It ended up being the Spurs game. I said seven and three. I was like, hey, they don't have any back-to-backs. They've got Phoenix, Philadelphia, Sacramento, and um, what was the other tough one? OKC on the schedule. So I was like, ah, they'll probably go seven and three. Well, they they went eight and two, and they did lose two of the four games that I had flagged as difficult. We didn't know at the time that 
Embiid wouldn't play for the Sixers in that game. The Thunder win was impressive, right? And we talked on this Wednesday's Minnesota Basketball Party about most impressive win of the season so far. And I think the ones to choose from are the overtime win over Boston back, you know, second week of the season or whatever. Uh, certainly the OKC game. I liked the Knicks win because it was a decisive win over a solid team um, after a long road trip. Like there's a number to pick from OKC's on that list too. So certainly the Wolves are better than I think. I think I can speak for us all when I say better than we all expected at this point um, in the season. Now, what specifically has gone well and what's both as expected and then also good surprises? Let's start with the things that have gone as expected. And, and when I say that, I mean, like, clearly this was the plan, right? This is what Tim Connolly, this is what Chris Fitch, this is what the Timberwolves drew up for this season. And, um, you know, coming into the year, you would have said, okay, this is, this is, these are the 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 tent poles, the things we're leaning on as an organization. So first and foremost, it's the rise of Anthony Edwards. And obviously he missed, actually ended up just missing two, two and almost two and a half games, I guess, um, due to the hip injury. But he's been, it's been a legitimate, I don't know that I'd be ready to call it a leap yet. I think we need to see a little bit more consistency and we need to see it for more than 20 games. But he is showing signs of making the leap. Um, all of the metrics are supporting that. He's improved, like he continues to improve as a passer every single year. His assist rate's going up. His turnover rate's actually lower this year than it was last year, and his assist rate is up five points, which is absurd, that sort of um, improvement. Usage rate's up too, which helps the turnover rate go down, but that's okay because he's actually scored the ball fairly efficiently. It's been the best true shooting percentage of his career to date. Um, his effective field goal percentage is a shade below where it was last year, but um, he's getting to the line more frequently. He's shooting a few more mid-range jumpers and a few less threes, so you know, you'd like to see that. I know Chris Finch would like to see that even out, but the mid-range thing is still a skill that's important at the end of close games, and like, I mean, it it's it's ultimately a good thing that he can make mid-range jumpers, and he continues to improve in that area. He's shooting free throws at a much better clip. Um, the three-point percentage, it's it's been, you know, peaks and valleys, but end of the day, it's still the best of his career so far, almost 38% through, you know, 18 games that he's played in. So a lot to like about Ant's performance so far. If we're going to nitpick, it's the defensive efficiency, it's the mid-range shots, but this is looking like the leap. It, it really is. After last year, I thought he stagnated a bit after year two, other than maybe some defensive improvement. Uh, not maybe, he definitely improved defensively. I thought the offensive game stag stagnated a little for Ant last year. We're seeing it improve I think I'd say dramatically and, and, you know, we get to the all-star break maybe before I'm ready to say this is truly the leap, but we're, it's becoming sure starting to look like it is the leap for Anthony Edwards. And that's something the wolves were really counting on. Right. And, and we talked about that. It's been talked about on, you know, countless national programs. Uh, the bet that Tim Connolly made in the Gobert trade was as much about Anthony Edwards as it was about Rudy Gobert. Right. It was about acquiring a guy who's in his prime, on the back end of his prime, a, a seven-plus footer who's on the wrong side of 30, and you know how do those guys age, and how effective are they? The bet was that Ant would be ready to lead a contender in the next year to three years. And this is year two, and we're there. Like, Ant is the best all-around two-way player on this team, you know, except for maybe Rudy Gobert, and this team is, is, is beyond contending. They're the best team in the league right now, right? So... It, it's going exactly according to plan in that regard for Tim Connolly and the Wolves. Um, number two on my list would be Nas Reed effectively becoming the sixth man off the bench for the Wolves. And we'll get to Shake Milton later. I think you can guess which section of the show we're going to talk about Shake Milton in. Um, 
But I think when the Wolves gave Nas Reed the contract that they gave him, it, it, you know, and, and going back a little bit to what I said in the offseason, I was worried about like, hey, what do the minutes look like? Are the Wolves really going to commit to this three-headed monster at center? And are they going to give Nas Reed enough minutes to justify the contract? Well, he's still only eighth on the team in minutes per game. Um, but in light of Jane McDaniels, at this point, McDaniels has missed almost half the Wolves games. He's played in 11 of 20 games. I mean, since McDaniels has been out, Reed's seen a little bit more opportunity, right? The Wolves have played less than 10 minutes total with all three centers on the floor together. But still, um, in general, he's seen his minutes increase a little bit since McDaniels went out. Um, we've seen him just take on also just the ball in his hands more with that second unit. The Wolves have been able to stagger to leave Ant on the bench a little bit longer because Nas has scoring so much scoring punch himself. Um We've seen there's stretches where both Cat and Ant will be on the bench, and especially when when uh, Ant was out for two games, that happened frequently. Nasrid was being asked to be a a focal point, right? The offensive focal point for this team, um, and he's been very very impressive. I, I have loved watching Nasrid this year, um, and he's so far been worth every penny that the Wolves paid for him in this you know a large contract for a third center, which is you know by definition what he is. But in practice, he's so much more than that. He's he's taken a step forward from last year. You know, uh, points per game, uh, obviously minutes per game is up, but points per game is up. Three-point percentage, he was over 40% for a long time. Went like one to seven, I think, uh, on Wednesday. So now he's at 38%. But he was shooting 50, 40, 90, along with Carl Anthony Towns coming into action on Wednesday. And that's still not like... We talk a lot about Nas being able to shoot threes. He's never shot better than 35% from three. So it would be a huge jump for him to hover around 40% all year. But so far, that's been impressive. Um, he's not turning the ball over as much as he has in the past. He could do a little bit more work on the glass, but he's doing so much more offensively. And he's been solid on defense, which is, of course, something that you know I, I could have added to the surprises for Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but I think... I think everybody just kind of, I think within the Wolves, they expected Cat to improve defensively another year in this scheme um, and actually tweaking the scheme a little bit too to make him almost as aggressive as he had been two years ago. Uh, they're not, I don't want to get too in the weeds on, on the side point here, but you know, two years ago, the Wolves blitz pick and rolls. They were aggressive on the perimeter. Last year, it was more traditional drop coverage for Rudy. This year, it's almost like a hybrid where they're getting Cat out in space more often, asking him to follow guys, asking him to get through screens, get through off-ball actions, and he seems comfortable doing it. Um, and that's a testament to Cat. Nas is, I would put him in a similar category. I don't know that he's been quite as good as Cat defensively, but he's been better than I expected him to be. And I think right in line with where the Wolves really needed him to be this year on the defensive end of the floor. I've got one more thing to cover that's gone, you know, a good thing that's gone as expected, and then we'll get into good surprises, a couple of of things on the negative side of the ledger, and then we'll preview Wolves-Grizzlies. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. There are title sponsors today. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in. With the basketball season well underway now, we are um, like. At the quarter pole point, right? You could still pick combo projections across football and basketball. Of course, there was great, well, I wouldn't call it great NFL action. There was NFL action last night, uh, plenty this weekend. So Sunday is actually going to be a good time. Ah, shoot, there's no NBA Sunday, is there? 
Call it Monday. Lots of NBA games on the schedule Monday. Monday Night Football, Packers, Giants. You can pick a combo projection across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections. You can include two or more players from different sports or leagues. The Wolves play Monday. Say you want to take Carlton Towns, three-pointers made, and um, A.J. Dillon receptions. I don't know why you would do that, but I don't know. Or pick, uh, I don't know, pick Jaden Reed or somebody on the Packers, probably not somebody on the Giants. Pick a combo of three-pointers made in receptions and, you know, might maybe it's 10 and a half. You just take more than or less than and you can win that way. You can also take advantage of the reboot policy over at Prize Picks. Your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has injury insurance that has an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NBA code NBA for that first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows that cover every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. Um, one more thing that's gone according to plan. I think there's probably more than three, but the three I'm going to talk about today, we talked about Anthony Edwards making, appearing to make the leap, certainly his rise. Nas Reed providing scoring punch off the bench and being really vital to keeping this team's offense going, which by the way, the offense, like I didn't put this on here under surprises. I got a little more in the weeds, but the offense is still only, depending on where you look, like 18th in the league, 17th, 18th, 19th in terms of offensive efficiency. Um, Nas has been a big part of kind of buoying that, at least when Ant and Cat haven't been on the floor. So, um, you know, that that falls into that Nas that Nas point I made. The third thing would be Rudy Gobert, key. What I would say, keen or leading a dominant defense. I think has gone as expected. Um, there's some surprises within that, and and we'll get into that later too. But the Wolves right now have the best defense in the league. The opponent effective field goal percentage is still only forty percent, which is just bonkers. And and we'll spend a little more time on that on another day. I did a couple of weeks ago, just the context of how dominant that is, you know, looking back at past seasons, we'll do that again. Like I'm going to keep checking in on that because it's so impressive. Um, now it helps when you play teams like the Spurs on Wednesday, who for like, I don't know, a quarter and a half just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, but um, it's still impressive, right? Like you're still playing NBA teams. You're still 20 games in. The whole thing is really impressive. And Rudy Gobert being the linchpin of that defense is exactly what the front office expected to happen. But, Chris Finch had a quote after the game Wednesday after the Wolves beat the Spurs when he said that Rudy is playing the best basketball he's ever seen him play. Now, I'm sure Chris Finch is watching him more closely than he ever has before, um, but I, I'm sure he watched a lot of film of him before they made the trade a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, but um, I mean, it's remarkable. Like, he's 31 years old, and he's playing every bit as good as he did in his defensive player of the year seasons, you know, uh, just a few years ago. Um and he was solid last year, but not worth what they gave up for him in terms of uh, the trade capital and not worth necessarily the contract last year. He's been worth every penny this year, and it certainly makes that trade. Nobody's talking about that trade being the worst trade in NBA history anymore. Like, that's that can't be possible. If this team finishes number one seed and goes, and I know that, like, I'm not going to play this game now. I, I'm not just going to leave it there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play the, well, depending on how the season ends. We're not doing that. This is a happy place. We're talking about, 
Rudy playing as well as expected. Um, this defense, obviously, Tim Connolly was banking on Rudy being this dominant. Uh, I mean, he just expected it, and we're seeing it. The block rate's back up. The rebound rate is is closer to where it needs to be. Um, offensively, the numbers aren't to where they have been previously in his career, but over the past few weeks, they've been going in the right direction, and I think ultimately they're, they're headed there. Um, so Rudy Gobert has been every bit what the Wolves expected him to be this season. Going into surprises, um, so good things that have happened this year that, and surprises maybe is the right word, but maybe pleasant surprises or things that have been um, better than expected. Mike Conley is is throwing it back. Like he's playing like it's 2021, 2020. Like he's playing like all-star Mike Conley. It's really remarkable. And, and the surprise isn't that he's been better than D'Angelo Russell or a better fit than D'Angelo Russell. I the Wolves would have made the trade if they felt otherwise, right? That's not been a surprise. Um, I mean, until recently, he was shooting the just shooting the lights out. He's still shooting 41% from three, which is above his career average. It's in line with where he was, it, almost exactly in line with where he was in his all-star season 2020-2021, which is one of his best two or three seasons throughout his entire career. Um, the only year he was an all-star, but I, you know, he had a couple years in his prime in Memphis where he was easily could have been an all-star. Um and he was obviously fantastic for that season, season and a half in Utah. But this looks like that. The three-point percentage is where it needs to be. The defense is phenomenal. Like he's been, he does not look like he's lost anything defensively. And when they acquired him last year, I said at the time, like, hey, he's lost something on the ball, but he's still a better, far better defender than D'Angelo Russell. And he's still a plus overall defender as a team defender. Depending on which metrics you look at, he's playing defense like prime Mike Conley right now. And it's it's just been incredible to watch. The assist to turnover is insane. It's like something, it's like a, 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 I don't know, it's like Tyus Jones from a few years ago, but as a starter, it's like that Jordan McLaughlin stretch from a couple of seasons ago where he went like 65 assists to one turnover for like a six-week span. That's basically what it's been. His assist rate right now is twenty over 28%, which would be his second highest mark in the past six seasons. His turnover rate right now is his lowest since 2018-19 in Memphis. Um, Mike Conley's turnover rate, and as it sits right now, would be the second or sorry, third lowest turnover rate in his entire career. And this is a guy who's been one of a top ten starting point guard, I think, pretty unquestionably for the better part of the last decade, decade and a half. Um, I, it's just been an incredible performance by Mike Conley. He's been above and beyond what I think the Wolves could have reasonably reasonably expected from a thirty six year old point guard that they got for an expiring D'Angelo Russell. That's what they gave up, right? was a guy who what didn't really fit anyway, was going to walk in free agency. They got a year and a half of, like, let's call it what it is. The way he's played is like, I know he's he's, a score, he's not going to be an all-star. I want to be really clear about that. But other than the scoring average, the way he's played is like an all-star. Like, that's how Mike Conley has played so far this year. Knocking down threes, playing fantastic defense, assist to turnover ratio. There's not a single thing you could ask him to do more other than just score more. And the Wolves don't need him to score more. He's the fifth option in the Wolves offense right now. I guess fourth option in the Wolves offense. And like, yeah, his point per game average is the lowest it's ever been in his career, save for his rookie season. But that doesn't matter. Everything else about his game has been phenomenal. And um, like, it's a topic for another day, the actual trade, because man, I, I can't wait to talk about that some more. But he's been so impressive this season. It's a testament to um, to obviously to Conley and the way he's fit in. Um, but also the, the move last year was just incredible. And he's been, you know, as I said, better better than expected. 
I would also say on the good surprise, the pleasant surprise side, the second half play and third quarter play, the Wolves came into Wednesday, and I don't know what the updated number is, but they came into Wednesday's game with the second best third quarter net rating of any team in the entire league. And sure enough, they were a plus seven in the third quarter against the Spurs, who they were losing to at halftime, which was nuts. But uh, great third quarter, great clutch play down the stretch with and without Anthony Edwards on the floor. They played well in the clutch when Ant got hurt against the Thunder, with, or I should say in the game he got hurt without him on the floor. Then the two games that they won without Ant, lowly competition, sure, but they played well down the stretch in those games without Ant on the floor. That has been a pleasant surprise given the context of how poorly they played in the third quarter and at times down the stretch in games last season. Uh, nobody's blaming Chris Finch anymore. I talked about that a little bit the other day. Uh, I think it was Monday's show. Like, nobody's worried about, or I don't know, Wednesday, it doesn't matter, Wednesday's show. Um, nobody's complaining about Chris Finch and, and halftime adjustments anymore. They just aren't. Nobody's complaining about his clutch time coaching and substitution patterns. Turns out they're 16 and four. He's got to be doing something right. The last thing and uh, in terms of the good surprises is that I talked about the defense has gone as expected with Rudy, you know, kind of being the, the, the key to the defense. I've also got that the defense is so incredibly dominant under pleasant surprises. Um, I, like there's no other, we have to also highlight that. I mean, they're still the best team in the league in terms of opponent effective field goal percentage. They're somehow top five in terms of uh, opponent free throw rate. So like not allowing opponents to shoot a ton of free throws. It's remarkable. Um, they're top 10 in personal fouls committed. So they're generally doing a good job of not fouling and they're really doing a good job at not putting opponents on the free throw line. It's incredible for a team that's as aggressive as they have been defensively. And, uh, you know, a big part of that is, is Rudy Gobert, right? His deterrence at the rim guys aren't even attempting shots at the rim. And that's another topic I want to get back to is, is opponent attempts at the rim and just how the, the sheer volume is going down because of Rudy's presence, which of course leads to tougher shots, more mid range jumpers, uh, more contested threes because the floor just gets shrunk because of Rudy's presence and less attempts at the rim means less fouls or less free throw attempts for the other team. So it all works together, but it also all comes back to Rudy Gobert. Yes, they've been pretty fortunate in terms of opponents just not making shots, but there's also a skill to that. And I've been saying this now for the better part of a month, like a month ago, I talked about, yeah, opponents are, you know, the Wolves are the best three-point percentage against or, or worse or everyone to look at it. Opponents are not shooting threes well against the Wolves. To You know, opponents shooting against the Wolves is the worst three-point percentage against any other team in the league. A good thing for Minnesota. It's a confusing thing to say, but I think you get it. They're still third. Like, they're still third in opponent three-point percentage. And the point that I made was, if you're forcing them into above-the-break threes, you're limiting corner three-point opportunities, and you're contesting threes, of course you're going to do a good job of dri driving opponent three-point percentage down. Um, and also somebody's got to have the best number, right? Like somebody has got to have the best and sure there's a little bit of, there's always good fortune involved, right? Like that's always part of it, but we can't take anything away from this Wolves defense. We're sitting here on December 8th, say, you know what? Seven weeks into the season, basically. And the Wolves still have an opponent effective field goal percentage of just 49%. I want to talk more about that next week because that number is bonkers. All right. Let's close with a couple things that haven't gone according to plan. A quick peek at Wolves Grizzlies Friday night. That's all upcoming here next. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Jace Medical. I know we come to sports and we follow the Timberwolves to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But let's stop for a minute and just talk about preparing for that at real, actual life with our friends at Jace Medical. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if, you know, 
uh, my family, my wife, my kids uh, got sick because, and then there's a supply chain issue that keeps us from getting the life-saving medication they might need. And Jace Medical can help you through that. I signed up for Jace Medical a few weeks ago, and it's been really nice having that sense of, uh, really sense of peace knowing that I've got antibiotics from Jace Medical that were delivered very quickly after signing up, and I have them on hand now. Jace Case is a pack of five different antibiotics that can treat a long list of bacterial illnesses that include UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Just visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It's super easy to do. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important, especially heading into winter travel season to be prepared than it is today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, jacemedical.com offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. All right. Closing the show today with uh, a couple of things that have not gone according to plan. Let's start with the offense. The offense, of course, is just, well, I use basketball references number coming into play Friday, 18th in terms of overall offensive rating. Um, and a big problem has been turnover rate. And and you look at what the Wolves have done so far this season. They're 26th in turnover rate. They turn it over on 13.6% of offensive possessions, according to basketball reference. Again, that number shifts depending on what site you look at. Um, So yeah, that's way too high. And a lot of it's been, they try, they're trying to play faster lately. They're still just 19th in pace. And so I think some of those turnovers Chris Fitch can live with. I think it's more like, Hey, we're trying to get to the basket and then make a crazy pass. And Cat was the biggest problem, you know, recency, uh, recency bias, I guess. He went, well, not not recency bias. Yes, he had a bad game Wednesday. In general, Cat's just turned it over a little bit too much. Other than that, he's been fantastic this year, right? We haven't really talked about him at all today. Um, but the it it more comes with the intention is is correct, but the Wolves don't make the easy play. And they'll get ahead in some of these games and the turnover rate gets spiked because they try to play globe trotters. We've seen that a little bit. And obviously they've had a they're good enough that it's been fine and they keep winning because the defense is so dominant, but the pace needs to increase. The turnover rate needs to decrease. And it's just some of these weird live ball, half court turnovers that are just like the intention is the right thing. Hey, we're going to drive. We're going to try and draw the defense and then make a a tough pass. Just make the easy pass. Um, And that's something that needs to improve for the wolves. Another thing uh, related to the offense is three point rate. I spent a lot of time talking about this. Actually, it was last Friday show a week ago. The three point rate uh, is up to 20th in the league. I think it's ticking upwards slightly, um, but they've still shot the ball well from deep. They're 13th in percentage as a team. Just need to shoot a few more. That'll improve the efficiency of the overall offense. The second thing that I would worry about, well, yeah, I guess you could worry a little. Worry is such a strong word, I think, because we're still only 20 games in, but some of the bench production, as good as Nas has been, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker has done, good in, in, done well in spot starts, as has Troy Brown Jr., though they've been as good as expected, if not a little bit better, the Wolves need more out of Shake Milton, and they need more out of Kyle Anderson. Um, Kyle Anderson's been fine, but he just hasn't been as good as he was last year. And, and I'm not going to fret about the three-point percentage because, like, yeah, I know he shot 41% from deep last year, and you could just look at that number and be like, oh, man, he's, what is he shooting, like 16% now? Yeah, 16.7%. I mean, he was, he was not, he wasn't shooting a lot of threes last year either. He's basically just shooting one three less per game. And it's not like he's passing up threes he would have taken last year. I just think the way he's playing, he's playing more at the three. Um, he's playing a little bit more on the perimeter. He's not going to shoot above the break threes. He didn't do it last year either. He almost exclusively shot corner threes. At least he only made corner threes. So I'm not worried about like him killing the Wolves spacing any more than he did last year. It's just he's playing a little more at the three, which leads to him being in the corners less. And 
he's not going to shoot above the break threes. And if he does, he's not going to make them. So I'm not as worried about that. Um, I, you know, the turnover rate's been like, he's been one of the main problems. I mean, he's got a turnover rate of 19% right now, which by far would be a career worst. That worries me. Uh, the rebound rate, I harped on it last year for Kyle Anderson. It's a career worst again this year. Last year was his worst. This year's worse than that. So a couple of these things that are odd in that they're, they're fixable and something that a vet, you think he'd just kind of take a step back and be like, ah, shoot, I just got to be smarter with the ball. I got to rebound better. I got to get on the glass more. Those are things that obviously can improve. I, I'm not like ultra worried about him. He's been fantastic defensively. I just think he's got to pitch in a bit on the boards. He's got to stop turning it over so much. And then Shake Milton just has not been anything like the player he was in Philadelphia. The Wolves talked him up so much in, in free agency or after signing him. And, and Chris Finch, like unprompted, would bring him up almost like he did with Jalen Noel. And it's a similar role, right? Like he's supposed to be a better version of Jalen Noel, and he's been just as bad as Noel was last year, quite frankly. Um, lately, I think he's played a little better, but I mean, they did not pick up Shake Milton in the offseason for him to shoot 21% from three. And that's exactly what he's been doing. He's wasn't expected to be great defensively, but I think he's been worse than expected there. Um, you know, coming into the season, like Shake shot 38% from three last year. He had a couple seasons. He had one in Philadelphia a few years ago that was 43% on high volume. They just needed him to to be decent from outside the arc and give you a bit of scoring punch, the ability to run offense off the bench. And this has been the worst season of his career by far, so far, through 20 games. Um, we've seen his minutes decrease a little here recently. He's more on the fringes of the rotation now, and he's just, it's its the whole catch-22 with bench players, right? Your leash is shorter, and then your leash is shorter. You have less opportunities to impress, and um, it, it's, its you know, it's a catch-22, right? Like, if he doesn't play well enough, he doesn't get the minutes. If he doesn't get minutes, he can't prove that he can play better. And so hopefully against some of these softer teams, like maybe Memphis Friday, uh, he gets a bit more run and, and an opportunity to prove himself. But like we're looking at his worst assist rate in four seasons. We're looking at his worst three-point percentage ever. Um, uh, highest turnover rate in his career right now. Like all that stuff is bad. The defensive numbers aren't aren't great either. Um, so Shake's got to play better. There's no two ways about it. And thankfully... Nas has provided enough scoring punches we talked about earlier in the show, and they've gotten enough from Nikhil Alexander-Walker that it's kind of papered over some of what Shake hasn't been able to provide. But those are things that certainly need to improve. All right, let's close by taking a look at this Grizzlies matchup. The Wolves just played Memphis here a couple of weeks ago, uh, a little less than two weeks ago, and uh, obviously beat them fairly easily. They ended up winning by 22 in that game, um, and it was pretty much over by halftime. They were up 17 at halftime, won by 22. And... Um, like Memphis, of course, no John Morant, uh, you know, no um, Stephen Adams. Like they, they've just, they, and among others, right? And the roster just isn't as deep as it has been either. Thankfully for them, they've had Jaron Jackson Jr. for the majority of the season. And since the Wolves played them last, they've been playing well. Like the Wolves beat them, uh, like I said, less than a couple of weeks ago. Um, and now they've gone three and one since then. Uh, they played better. They just beat the Pistons, a, a bit of a comeback win against Detroit, one by 14. Of course, Detroit's lost, uh, what, 19 straight, something crazy now, 18 straight, I think. Um, and their only loss during that stretch was to Phoenix. They beat Utah, Dallas, and Detroit. So not exactly a murderer's row of opponents, but um, a a team that's playing a bit better. Of course, Desmond Bain, you probably saw, scored 49 in that Pistons win on Wednesday. So, you know, not they're not 
the Wolves can't simply overlook them. Obviously, this is still a team that's been good defensively. They've been a top 10 defensive team because of Jaron Jackson. And when the Wolves played them, they dropped 119 on 53% shooting, 44% from three. Uh, Ants had 24 in that game on just 14 shots, got to the line a bunch. Conley had 18 and 10 in the game against Memphis. Cat was a bit more quiet. Um, Injury-wise, McLaughlin, it sounds like, is close to playing. There's a maybe a chance he's available. Um Obviously, no Jade McDaniels. Ant, I would expect to play, but we don't know for sure. Uh, so this is a very winnable game for Minnesota, obviously, on the road at Memphis. And then they're off all weekend, Saturday and Sunday. The keys for me, real quickly in this one, um, are be patient offensively because, again, Memphis is a solid defensive team. Um, don't get don't get sucked into trying to play too fast. Um, defensively, just force them into tough shots. I know it, that's like you can say that every game, but this is a team that shoots a lot of threes and they're 30th in percentage. Obviously, Desmond Bain is dangerous, like you worry about him. Um, but other than that, like make them shoot threes, guard the paint, second chance limits those, or second, limit second chance opportunities um, and be patient offensively. It's a lot similar, very similar to what the game plan should have been against the Spurs Wednesday. This is a team you should beat. Just don't try and get outside of, of what you normally do. Uh, we will have the live postcast tonight. I'll actually be hosting this evening over at Lockdown Sports Minnesota Live right after the game, probably 15 minutes after the final horn. Myself and Jack Borman, the fantastic editor over at Candace Hoopis. So we'll go live. Make sure to follow and subscribe. That audio will be available here on this feed late tonight as well, so you can check that out. Otherwise, we'll be back Monday um, previewing Monday night's game. The Wolves don't play again until Monday. So um, enjoy the game tonight. Have a great weekend. And also, if you missed or if you can't watch the game, make sure to check out Wolves Grizzlies on SiriusXM on the SXM app. You can check out every bucket for Wolves Grizzlies called by the fantastic Alan Horton on the Hometown Broadcast. Again, SiriusXM and the SXM app. Just search Minnesota Timberwolves. All right, that's all we have for you today. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch on YouTube. You can watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast. And we'll catch you next time.